I'm Robbie McDonald. And I'm Jordan Lee. We're two writers who've been friends for 15 years. Recently, we both discovered we have the shared experience of figuring out we have ADHD in midlife. Holy Shit, I Have ADHD is a platform for adults discovering their neurodivergence, as well as a way to spread awareness of ADHD. This is a podcast about ADHD, hosted by two people with ADHD. While each episode has a general theme, our meandering trains of thought mean we often cover several other themes in the process. We are not experts, simply two people sharing their experiences of discovering their ADHD in midlife. If you suspect you or someone you know may have ADHD, speaking to a medical professional should be part of your discovery journey. Fantastic. Now I have two screens too, so this is kind of trippy. Oh, you got a new yeah. setup, do you? I do, yeah. Nice. Um, and... I actually had the cord because our um, projector I needed a cord for, so that was good. But I did end up getting a, like a newer um, monitor kind of going against your advice just because I couldn't find one that was used that I could turn this way Sure. Um, for reading longer documents and stuff. So it, it is almost like having a TV. It's pretty big. It's like 24 inches or something, but it's made a huge difference in how my neck feels. Nice. I, I still need to get a new chair and set up and everything, but it's a process. It's a journey and all that jazz. I have other stories for you too. You're going to laugh your head off. Well, maybe, <laughs> you won't. maybe you'll just shake your head at me. I don't know. Nice. Well, I, yeah. I actually did get a new office chair uh, as a Christmas gift for my mom. So shout out mom. Thank you so much. Uh, it is nice. feeling, feeling so good on my lumbar. And uh, yeah, you know, the biggest thing for me, um, just because of all my shoulder problems, I needed I needed an office chair that uh, I could that, that either didn't have arms or that had removable arms. Uh, mm. So yeah, so this this fit the latter category. So you know if if things wind up better down the road and I can kind of sit like this again, then so be it. But for now, it's just it's just untenable for my shoulder. So ah, uh, that totally makes sense. See what I'm going to do this time for my chair is I'm going to go and like test the chairs and sit in them because I need something with way better lumbar support this mm. thing that I have now it has a huge seat on it but the back is so far back and then it's like shaped kind of like an egg instead of like the other way like I yeah, need, yeah, like yeah. the inverted lumbar support and so it's fine with somebody who maybe has a spine like this but my spine is like <laughs> so it, it's causing me a fair amount of discomfort these days and like helping the monitor does help because I'm not trying to peer into this small little screen um, but yeah, there's a place I think where I can go and like try some on that isn't, you know, like the staple special that's going to fall apart in two yeah. years, you know? <laughs> well, um, that, that was my big mistake was, uh, I bought the, the Walmart special, uh, mm. and yeah, like, you know, structurally it's fine, but like it is just, there is, there is no cushioning. It was just way too hard on my ass. So, you yeah. know, I needed, I needed something that was like more than Fuck, I think I spent $50 on that chair, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh so, welcome to Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, a podcast about figuring out that you're a neurodivergent in adulthood. My name is Jordan Lane. And I'm Robbie McDonald. And uh, this week, we're going we're gonna to catch up a little bit like we always do, and then we're going to talk about uh, about that that Prince Harry and Gabor Mate interview. Um, yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's weird. We haven't talked about him in a while, but um, I feel like... I don't know. I I I, I obviously uh, listeners may recall that um, I was supposed to read Scattered Minds at some point because mm -hmm. we talked about him coming on the show. I, of course, never got around to that because uh, if there was mm -hmm. not a date that this was going to happen, it's like, oh, I don't have to do that yet. Perfect. I'll just fucking <laughs> never do it. Uh, but in that in that window of time, um, I feel like 
this is this may be total projection or speculation on my part. I feel like you mm. have had a, maybe a change of attitude regarding his work. Mm, that's really well said. I have I've been struggling. I have um, because I've read like three of his books and they've all had really major impacts on me. He's huge in Vancouver, right? Like sure. most people know who he is or have met him at some point in their in the process of whatever work that they're doing, especially if they do work around healing. Yeah. Um, but there's only two or three people in Vancouver that do healing and self-actualization work, right? That's like a whole sector here. Um, and so like the shock um, district. <laughs> I mean, there used to be like the Chopra, like, yeah, that Deepak Chopra or whatever used to have like a big office right downtown. It closed during the pandemic, but, um, so when it comes to um, Gabor Maté's work, I'm, I'm just going to say, like, I think he truly is compassionate. I think he's sincere in a lot of different ways. But I feel like there has been a shift in sort of the way he's kind of doing his work in the world or sharing his work in the world. And yes, um, he did say that he would come on our podcast. But then as soon as the book was coming out, Random House's publicist was like, no, you guys aren't big enough. Like, the, basically, that's what ended up happening. Um, and, you know, fair enough, he's doing he's doing Joe Rogan, right? Like, we are not Joe Rogan. And we're pretty clear about that. But like, um, yeah, to kind of um, speak to your point a little bit about that, I it's funny, because my mom bought bought his book, which is like, heavy it's huge right and she put it in my hands last weekend when I went to visit her and said I think you'll really appreciate this because scattered minds really helped her um and I'm struggling I'm struggling to kind of get into it and relate to it the way I have with this previous work there's something different and I don't I don't know how to pinpoint it and I've been in conversations with people that have gotten really defensive with me when I say that and it's like I'm not saying he's a bad person I'm not saying that he's He's wrong. I'm just saying that he's missing some pretty key things. Like, yes, um, trauma is is a part of many people's lives. It can be the source of a lot of addiction and a lot of suffering. And I think in the realm of The Hungry Ghost was an amazing book that way, tying it into the Buddhist principles. And I, I think that all that stuff is incredible. But I we're going to get into this, but I don't think ADHD is specifically caused by trauma. And I think that it's kind of an oversimplification sometimes. Um, and yeah, so I, I'm still chewing on how I feel about all this because um, of course I was disappointed that he couldn't come on the show because I was really excited about it. But then now I'm kind of like having this like, has he gone the way of the clickbait? Like that's what that interview felt like to me. I felt like it was a publicist that coached him to do that. That didn't feel all that sincere to me. And Maybe you can. Anyway, we'll keep going on this. But no, yeah, I just uh, I want to come back to you. Say you, you said uh, a publicist. You, th you you think a publicist coached him to do that? And I just wanted to clarify mm -hmm. what you mean by that. Did you mean diagnosing um, him live on TV? Did you mean doing the interview? Yeah, yeah well, both because they they're both represented by the same um, publishing company, Random House, mm. which is oh, huge. okay, that they, makes sense. They're both trying to sell books. Sure, like that's that's what the whole thing was about. I mean, they knew that the audience they were looking for would have $50. I mean, it was 20 UK, but that's 50 bucks Canadian um, to watch this live stream. Like they, they were looking at a very specific demographic. They wanted to sell Harry's book and they wanted to, and of course the myth of normal as well. Um, so when people are trying to sell books, like they'll podcasts are what they do. Right. And they'll go on just about anybody that'll talk to them and just talk about their stuff. And they'd say, well, it's all in the book. Like there's always that, that, that shtick, right. 
Um, so when I say I think he was coached, I feel like he was the the seed was planted that he should bring it to that. Um, and it was super clickbaity. People started talking about it immediately. I'm diagnosing you with ADHD. Like even the way it was said was a little off. Do you know what I mean? And maybe Absolutely. you can set that, up that the whole thing. That part cracked me up, and I'll talk about that a little bit uh, after. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, uh, so a couple of things there. Um, so you, you said that you know you heard back eventually that it was like kind of we weren't big enough, and that's I totally get that. Uh, mm-hmm. That that to me. Um, so I I I don't have a, a horse in this race. I don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, <laughs> if I had a horse and a dog fight, I would bet on it um, for sure because it would win. Um, but yeah. Yeah, like uh, so, I, I don't keep up with this guy or anything, uh, uh, Gabor Mate. But then, yeah, when I saw that, like he's doing an interview with Prince Harry, I was like, oh yeah, he's never going to be on the show. Like, and I, that's mm-hmm. that's fine. Like, I don't I don't give a shit. But it's like, oh, he he is clearly fucking uh, 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 escalated to a new uh, plateau in his uh, public. Yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Public figureness, P- yeah. popularity. I guess. Yeah, sure. Um, so, so yeah, so seeing that, I was like, oh, okay, well, this is this is never going to happen. And again, that that I don't really care one way or another. Um, but what mm-hmm. I thought was interesting, um, and unfortunately, we 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 tried to record it, but uh, uh, ended up not panning out both audio wise and it cut off early. But when we were uh, when we did our event in Vancouver back in October, mm-hmm. I actually remember um, Hart talking specifically about Gabor Mate and not being a mm-hmm. fan of his work was kind of what I gathered of it. And I thought it was strange that you didn't push back on it at the time. So I was kind of like, mm-hmm. I wonder if Robbie's kind of uh, uh, reevaluating her relationship to this guy's work um, or if that's just mm-hmm. like, you know, ADHD, like somebody who knows more is talking about something, so uh, I better not challenge them. <laughs> well, I, I, it's interesting. I think it is more the... Because I have chatted in the past with Hart about that. And I think his his kind of perspective is similar to mine. And then it was like, yes, there's been so much good work. But there was there was a shift. There was a shift in um, in how um, he's expressing himself or the things that he's saying. And um, I mean, let's just be blunt. He hasn't been a practicing physician for many years, and yet he's still being positioned as a doctor. And I find that a little problematic. Um, a lot of the studies that he's citing are older studies, or they're not even properly attributed, even in the book. And I'm like, what's going on here? Because he's usually so good at that, like pulling up really relevant studies. It felt like it was cherry picked. It felt mm. like there's some things here that don't quite fit. And anytime, like, and I've watched multiple interviews with him over the years. Um, and I, I noticed that he's like, he's hanging out with the libertarian crews, like the Tim Ferrises and like the tech bro sure. kind of guys, right? Of the, like these bootstrappy sort of like heal your heal your own demons or whatever kind of folks. And I'm just, like, I think it's really important to do that work, to do that therapy, to like work on yourself while acknowledging it's a lot of the systems that cause these traumas are what sustain them and if the systems don't change people are going to continually get harmed over and over and over again and they they won't they won't even have time to heal i mean most people don't have 50 bucks to watch a live stream and honestly people that are really struggling don't give a flying fuck what harry's doing they don't care right like they're just trying to survive um so maybe it's kind of like I don't know. I wish I could have more clarity on that. But like when Hart was talking about that, I agreed with him. I was like, yeah, he's kind of gone somewhere. 
And, and Hurd actually said it's kind of classic ADHD. It's like he's chasing the dopamine and chasing the novelty mm. and chasing the recognition. He gets a lot of recognition and very few people call him out. And when they do, they're, they're met with some hostility. That I find kind of problematic. It's like if you're as compassionate as you as as he is, and I know people who have worked with him and know him fairly intimately, and they all believe that he is that. And I, I believe that too without having actually been in a room with him. I know there's compassion that just flies off the guy. Um, but at the same time, like there's these talking points that he's been using now for decades. And and I'm like, every single interview, it's kind of the same. He always like relates back to his trauma and which is horrific, like what happened to him as a child. And I know people have tried to kind of call him on that a few times and said, like, maybe it's time to move on. So anyway, yeah, um, I, I, I did, like I said, I did kind of, that's why I didn't push back with her. Cause I was like, yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of right in a sense. And I think it's a good thing to question these things. Um, and I, there was even, and I'm, I'm probably going to have to go back and find it again. It was an article in the UK and of course they're, they're a little bit hostile <laughs> towards Harry too because of like the whole royal dynamic. Um, but that person was saying like, why is it we can't like call out or question some of the credentials of this doctor who's like diagnosing people on live television with ADHD, which most doctors would never do. Um, so yeah, that was kind of my long response to that. But yeah, I'm, I, like I said, I'm still, I'm still struggling with it because I want to keep an open mind. Um, but at the same time, something in me has kind of changed. And maybe it's just I'm, I'm developing more critical thinking skills because that's something for people with ADHD we struggle with. We often just take people at their face value and just onboard what they tell us and absorb it. But sometimes it's good to question things, you know? Absolutely. I think yeah. I think that it is, it is very, very easy to look back at things that you liked or believed as a teenager or a person in your 20s and be like, look at that fucking idiot. Like, of, <laughs> of course, you know, like, like uh, so I, I fucking hate Rush. Uh, I have always thought that Rush <laughs> were, were corny and shitty. But a lot of people get very into Rush around you know, age 13, right? And a lot of people through Rush get into Ayn Rand around the same age, around fucking 13, 15, whatever. So, mm. you know, like there, there's, there's, I, I'm very glad I didn't end up like an insufferable fucking libertarian rush teenager. Um, mm. Where the fuck I was I going I didn't even know Rush this? was what? libertarian. Are they libertarian? Oh yeah. Get, Getty Lee, uh, absolutely fucking huge libertarian. Yeah. Like that, that song, um, that's the, the trees song. Uh, that, that's like an explicitly libertarian fairy tale. Holy shit, I didn't even know that because I was yeah. into Rush as a kid, but I didn't uh, go down Tom that route. Tom Sawyer, rabbit. again, explicitly libertarian uh, philosophy in that song. No way. I will choose free will. Is that that song or is that the tree song? I can't fucking remember. Oh, I fucking that's... hate that band so much. Anyway, uh, I literally forgot because I started making fun of Rush what I was talking about initially. Well, that you kind of like look back on things that you. Oh, yes. Right. You yeah. So, so, so it's easy to make fun of stuff that you liked as a teenager. It is much harder to look at the self that you were five or ten years ago, even as an adult and be like, oh, you know, like I believed something silly at that point in time, and mm -hmm. I understand now why that belief served a value to me at that point. And and I, I think I think that it's critical because you know if you're if you're never fucking 
uh, uh, let's say you got a compost pile. Let's say every time you throw out an old belief, it goes on to your old beliefs compost pile. Anyone mm-hmm. who's run a compost pile knows that you can't just throw garbage into the compost pile and fucking like, well, my work is done. You need to hmm. go in there and rotate the fucking compost. You need to go in there and aerate it and sift it and, you know, like look at it a lot and sort of re-examine it. And that's what you should be doing, I feel like, with past versions of yourself and and Mm. present versions of yourself and your beliefs is like have you have you fucking challenged yourself recently um Mm. so you know uh a couple things here so i'll i'll tie this all together with a real nice bow now um so looking back on the me from say yeah when would this have been uh probably 2010 12 maybe somewhere around there um i got very into not tim ferris but another sort of like guy along those lines ish a guy named james altucher have you heard of him before um no so he's a guy who like made and lost a bunch of money several times uh in different businesses and was like a media personality in the 80s and blah 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 um and yeah and like a pretty interesting guy and there was a lot of you know i i I realize now looking back at his stuff that it was basically just like MLMs for his e-publishing books and his newsletter and all that stuff. But, mm. you know, like I still I still got value out of the blog entries and he that he was writing and stuff at the time because it reinforced things that I wanted to hear. A few things in particular. Number one, this was a guy who is very, very anti-credentialist and anti-gatekeeping. And that speaks mm. to me a lot. This is someone who made a lot of money with no college in, you know, like. Uh, a way that takes smarts to do and I that Mm. message will always resonate with me the fucking Mm. autodidact that says fuck university I'm smarter than all you motherfuckers and I don't have to pay for it like that I I will always side with that guy uh, Mm -hmm. uh, because I see myself in that person and I'm I'm, I'm predisposed to like someone who is like no I can I can literally go to the library and learn this for free like Mm -hmm. I I am Mm -hmm. always predisposed to side with that person Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah you know like I realize looking back at that, that uh, again, most of this stuff was just kind of like positivist, uh, uh, kind of like no, positivist is wrong because that's like actual philosophical terms. But like um, super kind of positive thinking, like you just got to fucking get up after getting hit again. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. It's advice. Yeah, but but it is. But it is. Uh, um Yes, it, it it's I'm not going to say victim blamey uh, because it is it is empowering, which is good. Mm-hmm. And that's what what I needed at the time. But, yeah, it, it is it, it is libertarian because it, it, it proposes the individual as the solution to the problem. And mm-hmm. I think I think that it should be working in tandem. I think that, uh, you know, absolutely you as a person, as a person, you as a person <laughs> should be trying to better your life in every way that you can, Robbie McDonald. <laughs> you should be waking up early every day and doing your exercises, sending out some resumes and trying to better yourself in your career. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and bone but broth. Yeah. Don't forget your bone <laughs> broth. <laughs> uh, but, you know, uh, uh, 
you should be doing that stuff as an individual, but there should also be social systems in place to make sure that people have a place to live and food to eat and mm. access to resources and all that stuff. Like we, we should all be trying our hardest and there should we, we should all be trying our hardest to help each other out as well, like like as Absolutely. a society. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I, I see that now and I understand why this person and their their ideas held value for me at the time. And, you know, I don't have to like like chastise myself for for believing that. But it's just, you know, mm. this this was useful to me at the time. I no longer resonate with it. And intellectually, I understand why. Mm -hmm. uh, and I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, yeah. So um, I'm going to go back to another thing here now. Uh, you were talking about Tim Ferriss. Uh, we talked about Joe Rogan a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Ditto Jordan Peterson. All three of these people are people who are very, very popular and pushback against them generates automatic hostility uh, mm -hmm. uh, because they have, you know, um, like like Stan culture kind of fans, right? Where they're mm -hmm. like they're just fucking psychos. Like, <laughs> they're they're just they're just online psychos. Um, but these people also have enormous platforms, like you know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, and so I'm curious because there was a lot of kind of uh, pushback on Bernie Sanders when he did Joe Rogan's show and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, if you knew that it was going to be a respectful conversation, you weren't going to be put on the spot or called names or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. would you do Rogan's show? Mm. That's such an interesting question because I'm, I'm kind of terrified about like scales of scrutiny, like scrutiny at scale. Like I'm terrified mm -hmm. of having like more than a few people know what I'm saying. Sure. But that CBC thing. Yeah. But like, look what happened. Like the, but that's what I mean. The, yeah. Yeah. Like the, yeah. The sort of like personal responsibility trolls got at me and I felt like shit. And they also screwed up the lead and like, I had to get it changed and all this stuff. So I guess, you know what I would in a way, because I would hope that it would help people to understand a different point of view. Um, but I also feel like it might open me up to some pretty nasty vitriol as well. Um, I've only watched, like I watched part of that interview um, with the, with Gabor Maté I, because I feel like he was, again, misquoted, and that happens all the time for sound bites. Um, and I wanted to actually get a better understanding. Sure. But I have said this before, and I find Joe Rogan's voice to be quite grating. Um, so it would, you know, I wouldn't be able to do two hours with the guy. I know his things are usually two, three hours. And I'm I like, feel like they're Hi. closer to four. Jesus Christ, I couldn't do it, man. Like, I I'm can't pretty sure do... he does like a four-hour show every day. <laughs> uh, see, I can't do, I can't, like, even when you and I get to an hour, I get fatigued. Um, so I don't know, man. Like, I suppose if I was well-rested and I could, like, limit comments on my limited so i don't know now yeah I'm but I, I guess I, I guess yeah no uh uh but you didn't you didn't immediately turn it down on principle and i think that that's interesting mm -hmm. because that's that's where i am too and you know this is something that i waffle about a lot because uh so i have several friends who are journalists who uh you know write for mostly leftist publications and blah 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 mm -hmm. and they will do uh uh radio shows and podcasts around like uh uh, fucking um, Ryan Jesperson, if you know who that guy is, uh, mm. Calgary guy. He's he's a guy that basically got fired from radio for making fucking bigoted comments, and oh, then Jesus. like became like the fucking mm. epic podcast guy. So he's like oh, you know God. fucking cigar in the bathtub kind of guy. Uh, yeah. So anyway, uh, 
you know, friends of mine do his show from time to time Mm -hmm. because for for the exact reasons, like he is he is as a very, very popular show. And why wouldn't you want your ideas to be heard on, you know, like like to at least at least give the air to your cause or whatever on these things. But mm-hmm. I I waffle constantly. And fortunately, this is a hypothetical, so I don't have to commit mm-hmm. to an answer one way or another. Right. But yeah, like I, I don't know whether I would do it because I I totally understand the value of, yeah, like get, getting the maximum number of ears on your message. How, how can you fucking not think that that is a net good, right? Um, mm-hmm. but then like, uh, uh, is it, is it hypocritical because like this show also platforms people whose beliefs I find abhorrent? Like, is it, is it, yeah. sh- should I be, uh, you know, boycotting, uh, this, this media outlet entirely instead? And yeah, you know, the, the me from five mm-hmm. or 10 years ago would have been like, yes, uh, uh, moral, what's the word I'm looking for? Moral consistency is like the mm. most important thing in the world. And, and being a hypocrite is the worst fucking thing in the world. And, you mm-hmm. know, me at 40 is like every, literally everyone is a fucking hypocrite. Mm. Liter- literally everyone in the entire world is a fucking hypocrite. Hypocrisy is the lamest, most boring charge. It will never stick. So like calling people hypocrites is fucking pointless. And mm. so therefore I don't have to worry about being called a hypocrite anymore. Uh, so yeah, like I, I think, I think that I probably would do it um, uh, at the end of the day, just cause yeah, you know, like if, 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 if you are a morally pure person, but your actions have zero impact in the world because you have no influence, mm. uh, you know, like is, is there a utilitarian argument that like, how much good are you actually doing? You know, like if you're, if you're fucking living in your cave as a hermit and you're like, I have never, uh, uh, you know, hurt anyone like that's fucking awesome. And I wish that I could live that way, Mm -hmm. but you know, like how, how much impact I, I, I guess can you have, you know, is, is, is helping people understanding that you're going to always hurt people sometimes as you go through life like Mm -hmm. is it is it better to just try and like have a net good on the helping people side or is it better to just like first principles do no harm and just fucking like retreat uh there's do no harm take no shit (laughs) <laughs> that's, been, that's been my mantra for a long time right so like, we're like we're like a half hour in and we haven't even started talking about these articles yet uh well then we should probably dive into that mm-hmm. um so attitude mag uh published a piece last week uh that was called can adhd be no wait it wasn't called that i need to scroll up further in my document it was mm-hmm. called no gabor mate did not actually diagnose prince harry with adhd on live tv mm-hmm. um so i'm gonna i'm gonna read uh, uh the first little bit of this uh just for kind of context for everyone. Um, mm-hmm. Leading ADHD experts address the unorth- unorthodox and reckless live-streamed ADHD diagnosis of Prince Harry, Duke of Sussex, by Gabor Mate, the controversial author who calls ADHD a curable trauma response. And my mouth is very dry. <laughs> 
The Sun newspaper boldly proclaimed that on March 4th, Prince Harry diagnosed with attention deficit disorder by trauma expert Dr. Gabor Mate in tell-all interview. Quote, reading the book, I diagnose you with ADD, Mate said, referring to the Duke of Sussex's autobiography, Spare. Quote, I see it as a normal response to normal stress, not a disease. Mate, author of Scattered Minds, The Origin and Healing of Attention Deficit Disorder and the Myth of Normal, also diagnosed the prince with anxiety, panic disorder, depression, post-traumatic stress disorder, and substance abuse issues during the 90 minute live streamed event, which has been described as both unorthodox and reckless. Mate made his diagnosis before meeting the prince and admittedly based his evaluation solely on stories of grief, trauma, and substance abuse from Spare. In his past work, Mate has called ADHD a, quote, normal response to normal stress, which she says may be healed without medication. In last week's conversation, he suggested Prince Harry's ADHD stemmed from his childhood, especially the death of his mother, Princess Diana, when he was just 12. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack here and so much ADHD information to, so much ADHD misinformation to correct. Here, leading ADHD experts address Mate's claims regarding ADHD and trauma, respond to his spontaneous diagnosis, and fact check his treatment advice so uh that that provides sort of uh the background for the rest of what i'm going to talk about here but i'm going to bring it back to something that you said earlier you used the phrase cherry pick Mm -hmm. and that was i did not use that phrase but that was the biggest thing for me is like uh so there's there's a couple of things uh you talked about how the actual diagnosis itself was very funny and it what it makes me think of just like I diagnose you with ADHD or like, I don't know. Did mm-hmm. you ever watch the, the U S version of the office? Um, yeah, every now and then, but I haven't, I haven't watched it religiously or there's, anything. There's yeah. this one episode. Religiously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, there's this one episode where, uh, uh, yeah, Michael Scott, the boss character, uh, he's in dire financial straits and has to declare bankruptcy and he doesn't understand what that means. So he just goes out into the middle of the office. He goes, I declare bankruptcy <laughs> and, and that's that's what it makes me think of is like i diagnose the adhd mm-hmm. uh and yeah and it's just you you it it, it what i i didn't use the phrase cherry picked but what i called mm-hmm. it was a a curated selection of anecdotes uh mm-hmm. you know e- even even the most tell all autobiography doesn't include anything uh both by dint of length and by, uh, you know, most shit is boring. Like, so a, an autobiography is necessarily going to be like the it's going to be the big uh, uh, gong hits in your life. It's going to be all the the big inflection points and nothing else. Right. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, uh, I feel like. And again, this isn't to diminish anything that that he's gone through because like Jesus Christ. But um, uh, uh Fuck, where was I going with this? Shit. <laughs> you were talking about cherry picking and then... Yes, like, right. Uh, so, 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 so not to diminish anything that he's been through, um, but, you know, we don't see all the other parts of, of life that were like, quote unquote, normal and or good. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so it's easy to think of yourself as this sort of like figure with a storm cloud over your head or whatever, uh, uh when you're both writing something like that and i think when you're reading something like that like you know you you get an outsized idea of the 
maybe traumas, I guess, like importance or or fuck, man, I'm kind of talking into my ass right now. I'm getting scared mm. of what I'm saying because um, I'm really not trying to say like I, I the last thing I want to do is say that like people's trauma is invalid or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, I guess like I guess I, I, I guess it's, it's, it's maybe hard to get a sense of proportion uh, when your source material is. Yeah, like like a, a curated selection of anecdotes. And of course, mm-hmm. it's going to be the most interesting stuff. And what's interesting, the really, really good stuff and the really, really bad stuff. And he's had a lot of fucking bad shit happen in his life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like that, that was that was the biggest thing. Uh, and, and yeah, like. Doing. Doing doing it live. Uh, on a live streamed event is fucked. That's just that's a fucked up thing mm-hmm. to do. And again, I don't know. Maybe they talked about this beforehand, but mm-hmm. I'm choosing to take this at face value and assume that they were going into this conversation relatively blank and not having kind of like th- there wasn't an outline of like, oh, here's where I'm going to diagnose you at the, mm. the you know 40 minute mark of our conversation or whatever. Uh, I'm going to assume that didn't happen. And yeah, so like. Even 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 if that was just a conversation that was happening between the two of them and the people that were in the studio, that would have been inappropriate. It would have been inappropriate mm-hmm. to do that in front of just the fucking camera people and the guy behind the soundboard. That's that's totally inappropriate. It's a straight up violation of the, you know, uh, your responsibilities as a physician to just fucking, hey, here's 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 my my patient's diagnosis Mm. uh just just in front of people and then to do it in front of a live stream like a group that large is just like that's fucked like Mm -hmm. i don't know man uh so i i feel kind of like that that makes me feel more gross about it than any sort of thing about like qualifications or like, well, is he a real physician anymore? Or blah, blah, blah. Because, mm. you know, like I, I honestly, part of this again is, is this anti-credentialism that I talked about earlier, but like, I, I think that it's actually way easier to diagnose neurodivergent people, uh, than, you know, like, or, or, or to recognize neurodivergence in other people, I think is very easy for neurodivergent people. Mm-hmm. And a very early conversation we had on this podcast was, if you think someone that you know is neurodivergent, do you tell them? And mm-hmm. at the time, I was very, very hanky about that. And I didn't at the time with this one person that I was referring to on that episode. Uh, I have since done that a few times, even with people that are like relative strangers. Um, I almost find it easier with relative strangers, of course. But like, I'm not I'm not shy about anymore about saying like, hey, you know, like, is this something that runs in your family anymore? Because I mm-hmm. had this experience and it sounds like what you're going through has a lot of overlap. So, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think that it was a shitty thing to do because there was a possibility he was wrong. That's, that's not what bothers me about it. It's, it's doing it in not just a public setting, but an insanely public setting. Mm. Like, but like um, a paywalled public setting. Let's just say you had to have fifty bucks to get in. That 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 aside, that that's almost better uh, that that it was paywalled and not the whole thing streamed out. But still, the fact mm-hmm. that there was was, you know, I assume a thousand plus. I don't know how many online tickets they sold to this event. People in that virtual room, and he just it's just that's that's fucking 
so out of pocket. Like that that's mm-hmm. wild. <laughs> yeah. That's, so that, that that's kind of my biggest thing with that. There's a lot there. Um and I'm hoping I can remember what it was that I wanted to speak to. For those that don't know as well, um Gabramate was diagnosed with ADHD, I think it was in his 40s or early 50s. Um, and he has taken medication um, several times in his life. He doesn't take it anymore. Um, he he has openly said that medication is what helped him to write his first book. So um, it's just that he's had a change now and he thinks everything can be done without medication. Not everything can be solved with ayahuasca, in my opinion. Um, and there's a whole colonial thing that goes with that that I won't get into. But anyway... Mm. Um, yeah, I I found it problematic because of the way that he said it. But like, like yes, people with ADHD often recognize it in each other. It just could have been phrased so differently. And there's just this part of me that still kind of suspects that he was coached to bring up these kinds of things for impact, right? Like to make the thing really interesting. And you're absolutely right. And I have my issues with ADD mag because I feel like they're kind of like sure. just just constantly promoting medication in a very specific way of of, um, of dealing with ADHD. But I think they were right in saying that a proper diagnosis is multi-layered. Um, and it's not something that... And the reason that you and I started this show was for people with ADHD who don't want to speak about it publicly to have a place where they could... Um, get information, hear other people talking about it without having to out themselves. I think outing people without their consent is pretty rough. Like, I think it's a pretty heinous thing to do. But again, when we're in this world where it's all about attention, when people are trying to sell books, like, I feel like that's what was happening there. It was just like, oh my God, well, well, now I've got to read the book. You know what I mean? Like, that's exactly what they were going for there. And I will say that the short clips that I've watched of it, it did look as though Harry was really stricken by that. He was kind of mm. like, well, should I investigate this? Like, um, and hopefully he does. But at this, like, shit, man, like that was like, I do think that was a reckless thing to do. I think that the the folks at ADD Mag are right about that. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's becoming more and more like, <sighs> Like, the more you confess, the more people want to know about you, like, in a way. But, like, I I, uh, I find it really problematic, too, because, because the thing is with um, of all the different things I've read with Gabor Maté and seeing him in action, he has said himself that he's quite arrogant and likes attention, and he will do what it takes to get it. And I think that's exactly kind of what that was. He's also, um, I've seen him... Uh, he used to do this all the time in public settings, like with people in a room where he, you know, he'd say, tell me you don't have any trauma in your life or whatever. And somebody would say, I had a really happy childhood and I'm really well adjusted. And then he would like um, kind of dismantle that publicly. Like, well, actually you do have trauma here and you do have trauma there. And it was kind of like this way of like dismissing people's own experience, which I find a bit problematic. But at the same time, like, yeah, like the like the, the fact that he kind of went off after that with the PTSD and all these things based on a book that let's be real was mostly ghost written. <laughs> mm. People people at like um Harry's status don't write their own books. They hire people and pay them a lot of money to do it. Um so yeah, I th- th- there's a lot of issues for that of about that with me um because it's like that didn't feel very compassionate 
actually. For somebody who has like entire programs built around um, compassionate inquiry, saying I anoint you with ADHD yes. in front of like this live stream didn't feel felt like the opposite of compassion to me. It felt like clickbait. And it felt like they were both being part of that because like they both share a probably share they probably have their own publicist, but like they share a publisher. And publicists like will coach people to go down certain avenues of inquiry to get the most out of a conversation. That's what publicists do. Yeah, I, I have. There's no doubt in my mind that uh, that that Mate and or his team came into that conversation knowing what they were doing. I just mm. I was not uh, sure whether there was discussion between him and Harry beforehand, and I, I, don't, I don't think, think there, there was. was. Yeah, he looked ambushed to me. He did. He looked like he did not expect that, and. Um, that that felt like I'm yeah like that's the biggest takeaway for me is like somebody who has built an entire kind of reputation around compassionate inquiry to do something like that felt very lacking in compassion to me. Mm. It, it, yeah. So yeah, something you said a minute ago um, about uh, the, the the more that you confess, the more people want to hear about you. I thought mm. that that was very very interesting, and again, this is why. This is why uh, uh, I think that hypocrisy is a charge that doesn't stick because we do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like the, the 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 this this show is like relatively popular-ish. We just we just hey we just passed the hundred and thirty thousand listens mark. Can you believe that? Holy shit! I, yeah, I yeah. haven't been checking the stats lately. That's I amazing. didn't check. I didn't check for a couple months. Yeah, uh, and just popped in yesterday. I think. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, so you know, we 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 have like a a not unpopular podcast, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like the we we built our audience off of very emotional confessional type episodes that's Mm -hmm. what the first few were and that's what people have really resonated with is is the rawness in that stuff there Mm. and you know so but we don't ambush each other no and that i'm not i'm not i'm not saying that that's yeah sorry i when i said that's what we do i did not mean that we we ambush people (laughs) what i meant was that was that Mm -hmm. you know uh uh there's an accusation this is one that i've made before again as a younger person with a different understanding of the world that you know like oh you're fucking selling your trauma or you're selling other people's trauma and that's like Mm. that's fucked you shouldn't do that and Mm. you know it's like it's it's or, or not even selling, but like, you know, you're, you're clout chasing off your trauma, uh, you know, okay. you're, 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 you're trying to get attention or whatever. And it's, it's, I had a very, very, very long conversation, uh, a number of years ago with a friend who is a life coach about, um, uh, what's that fucking guy, Tony Robbins. Oh God. Um, okay. And you know, his, like his, his seminar kind of stuff where like, you know, so I, I just I because wa- I watched one of these these seminars with uh, with her and like it, it was it was wild to me at the time that people would just tell about like like, oh, yeah, like I haven't mm-hmm. I haven't had sex with my wife in like four years. And like you're you're not only in a stadium, like a literal fucking football arena with like 10,000 seats of people listening to you talk about how you don't get laid anymore. Mm-hmm. But then that shit is a Netflix special. And I was just like, that is so, so fucked. 
Like it is so fucked to like exploit that poor guy that way and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, uh, I understand that he signed a release going into this. I understand that I have to assume that, you know, because those aren't cheap tickets. I got to assume that this guy was familiar with Tony Robbins and knew exactly what the fuck he was getting into. But I still I was just like on a very base human level. uh, I don't I don't I would fucking shrink into a molecule and disappear right there in that stadium if I was that guy. Like mm. I, holy shit, I could, I could not fucking do that. Um, mm. But I, I have really, since doing this show specifically, I have a very, very different um, perception of talking about your pain and your quote unquote shortcomings or the mm. things that you, you don't like about yourself or about your life. Because, you know, like, that's, like, we are doing the same thing as that guy in the football stadium to some degree. Mm. Not about, you know, not getting laid, but about mm. different stuff. About, like, fuck, why can't I, like, why can't I find a job? Why can't I be an adult? All this other kind of shit, right? Mm. And, and I have gained enormous value very little money but enormous (laughs) personal value out of doing this show and having people relate to our pain as as painful as it is to talk about this stuff uh Mm. i i believe that it's valuable for people to do that and for people to do that in a way that is is public if that's something that they're comfortable doing I've, I've had a complete change of heart on that on that stuff. Not about Tony Robbins. I still think that guy sucks. Mm-hmm. But about the idea of, you know, mm-hmm. what I felt at the time was really like uh, it was very Catholic to me. It was very mm-hmm. like 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 taking your fucking pain and getting on the cross and like, look at me suffer. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny. I, I remember watching that documentary, too. What was it? I'm not your guru or something like that. Yeah, like, I think that was the one that we watched. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of problems there. Because I, when I was trying to kind of start a small business about five, six years ago, I kind of got sucked into a bit of that YouTube rabbit hole where people who were looking for clients kind of end up getting steered down this. Like, sure. I think you just have to do the Tony Robbins thing. You just have to believe and whatever. And and just gotta get watching, a lav mic. What's that? You just gotta get a lavalier mic. <laughs> Lav- what, what does that mean? The, the lapel mics. The oh, little the la- fucking, oh, the lapel mic. Uh, a, la- a lavalier, it's called, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it just, I mean, of course, like, when you're talking about how you change, right? Like, I was trying to kind of indoctrinate myself into this, you know, personal responsibility, entrepreneurial mindset, and it just never quite worked. And I remember watching that and thinking, like, you know, there was people with, like, like really deep, painful trauma. And they were having meetings about who they were going to highlight and talk to and who was the most sincere and who would have the most impact for the audience, right? And there is something so sinister in that for me. There's something kind of craven about it. You know, it's just like the more... um, the more in pain someone is, the more we're going to give them the podium and give them the mic. and uh, yeah, yeah, there's there's some pretty big fucking problems there. No, and see, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop there for a sec because like that that is that is so interesting to me, and that is exactly where I wouldn't say my mindset has changed on this, but I feel like it's more nuanced to me now mm, because mm-hmm. like you you look at that and it is it is impossible as a human being and especially as a high empathy human being like you and I are to watch that and be like 
holy fuck. I can't, this is like ants in a hive, totally fucking emotionless and detached from these people's trauma and like, hmm, how do we maximize uh, the impact of this, uh, of this person's fucking uh, spousal betrayal or whatever? And it's just like, that is inhuman. That is so fucked. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but again, like, I really, um, if, 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 like, like let's say if, if so, earlier I said that there's like 10,000 people in that football arena. Uh, mm-hmm. If, say, they have, they don't have this sort of like team of, detached fucking psychos being like who's the most marketable uh uh, Mm. sob story here uh so let's say if they don't do that let's say that like three thousand people leave that seminar feeling changed and like like they're they got what they wanted out of it and they're like a better person and let's say that by harnessing these these uh uh amoral uh emotionless psychopaths to like fucking do the numbers let's say 8000 people leave that football stadium feeling changed and and impacted and going into their lives doing literally doing more positive actions and bringing more positivity in the world mm-hmm. like is that then justifiable is that then a net good that there is this you know, you, you, you don't like to see how the sausage gets made, but at the same time, I that's never stopped me from eating sausage. I fucking love sausage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we had sausage last night. <laughs> there you go. Um, yeah. Ah, boy. Yeah, it's, it's difficult, right? Because it's like, I mean, you know, I'm sure folks have heard me talk about this before, and I think about it a lot. It's like um, Landmark, Tony Robbins, like these kinds of organizations – always say like you know you get out there and you start doing your work and doing your good when you make a lot of money and then you start a nonprofit and you give back to the community but they always miss that piece of like yeah but we could be creating systems where those people don't need um tony robbins to show up at their door on christmas day with a turkey they wouldn't have to they wouldn't have to access that kind of quote charity right um and the same thing with landmark like the because i've been to some of their seminars like again when i was trying to get into entrepreneurial i I don't know landmark what is that it's really big in Vancouver. Our mayor actually went through it. Chip Wilson actually went through it. It's like this. Oh, right. Okay, go, go on. Um, it's like this seminar thing where you kind of like you again. You have to reveal all your traumas and you have to like lay yourself bare. And then everybody runs out because they're changed and they call their families and friends and tell them they should sign up to this program. People related to me have taken it. Friends I know have taken it. And these are people that have gone on to achieve some success in their lives. So, so landmark kind of is like, you do Landmark, then you'll be successful, right? Like like Ken Sim did Landmark, and he loves it. Chip Wilson always talks about, if people just listen to Landmark tapes on the downtown east side, that will have our problems solved. Like, he's so fucking misguided. Um, but anyway, um, it's, again, this idea that you have to follow a blueprint, you have to do all these things, and, you, and, and it begets more seminars. You go to one seminar, and then you go to another, and then it, the people that do it, they, they speak a certain kind of language, and if you don't speak that language, then you don't know what the fuck's going on. And I don't know if you ever watched um, uh, Six Feet Under back in the day, but the mom goes to something kind of like Landmark. I did, actually. The first, uh, probably two seasons anyway. It's a good show. I don't know why it dropped off. Oh, so good. We binged it early in the pandemic. Um, but yeah, so anyway, like this idea is that you kind of have to keep going to these things. But if you don't speak the language, then you don't understand. And I was invited to go to somebody's graduation. And they wouldn't let me in because I hadn't done the base thing. I hadn't paid $700 for the weekend to go reveal all my traumas. So I couldn't go to her graduation ceremony because I wouldn't know the language. 
Sure. That's messed up. Anyway, like imagine imagine if you go to if your friend brings you uh, uh, to a Greek Orthodox <laughs> church and they stop you at the door and they're like, you know, they say, do you speak Greek in Greek? And you can't answer them. And they're like, no. Nah. Sorry, you can't come in. So, yeah, I mean, you, you, you won't you won't get any value from this. Like, fucking come on. Yeah. Anyway. And yeah, the, it, it's it's an ongoing thing. Vancouver Landmark's huge. Almost anybody. I've, I know so many people who have either done it or danced around it. And I've been to a few of their things, like I said. So anyway, all this to say, like, there's the like these whole cultures of like, you have to reveal yourself. You have to strip yourself bare and then we'll build you back up. Like, there's something very cultish about that. Um, mm-hmm. So when it comes back to this kind of thing with 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 Harry and Gabor Mache, that there was an element of that in it for me. It was like, oh yeah, ayahuasca is great, um, psilocybin's great, and okay, I've said this before, but like there's this whole colonizing of of ayahuasca culture in South America and Central America that is really deeply fucking problematic, um, and other people have smarter people than me have spoken to this as well. Psilocybin can be incredibly helpful, but it can also cause psychotic breaks in people if you're not being kind of um, held in a proper way with it. Somebody skilled who knows what the fuck they're doing. So again, that feels cultish and reckless to have all these people listening and watching you and saying, well, ayahuasca is the key, man. Like, I just need to do ayahuasca. You just need to do ayahuasca. Neither of them said that explicitly, but that is the, that's kind of the hint to me. Like, that's the subtext of it. Like, go outside the, the medical system, you know, go around, just go around and trust yourself. And yes, trust yourself. Absolutely. Trust your instincts. But Jesus Christ, don't just like spend. I knew somebody in Calgary who did this, spend like $10,000 to go and do an ayahuasca thing. And it fucked him up. Like, like, I think it's important to go into things like fully aware. And maybe the people that have 50 bucks to spend in this are the same people that had $20,000 lying around to go do an ayahuasca retreat. There's there's retreats that happen here in BC. I've been curious about it, but I have such an aversion to vomiting because I grew up throwing up all the time. So for me, it's kind of like, I don't want to puke. And I also don't want to bear my soul in a tent with a bunch of fucking people I don't know. Like we do this to a certain extent here, but it's different. Like I know what I know where I can stop. And if something feels like it's too much, we can edit it out after but I know you and I trust you and we're having a conversation that's different to me than being in a tent with a bunch of strangers. And, and I don't like smelling other people's puke. I don't know about you. I had to clean up my dog's puke and that's not pleasant. The smell of bile is just fucking awful. So, you can't see and, it, but I'm actually burning a puke scented candle. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're really down the rabbit hole now. Holy shit. Oh, there's, there's a few things that I wanted to talk about there. And uh, yeah, uh, we fuck we're an hour in and I still have so much to talk about oh my god um so so yeah uh something that I forgot to say earlier when I talked about how it would have been fucked even if it was just the cameraman and the soundboard guy in that room mm. uh where I was going with that was that uh because there there is uh potentially an editing process in that mm. there is still you don't you don't have to include that ambush if if that does happen and you have this thing there is a process by which you know if this was taking place in a netflix format or whatever mm-hmm. uh, uh uh it would have i guess limited the splash damage so to speak of doing that in mm-hmm. the way that he did um 
So a couple things there. Uh, the ayahuasca thing. Would it surprise you at all to learn that the uh, life coach person I was talking about mm-hmm. with the Tony Robbins thing, in fact, uh, did also go on an ayahuasca retreat? Does not surprise me at all. No. <laughs> me neither. Um, so uh, uh, and another thing was like... Um, so uh, talking about going outside the medical system and trusting yourself again, I, on the face of it, I don't think that that's necessarily bad advice, not, not go outside of the medical system and trust yourself, but look into things. Don't fucking, uh, uh, uh kind of for, for like for better and worse. Uh, no, you know what? Uh, uh, it sucks that you can't unfortunately put all of your blind trust in institutions. I fucking wish that I could do that. I wish that I could delegate all of my critical thinking to doctors Mm. and just say like, you fucking worry about this. But I went through my whole life not knowing I had ADHD. Mm. So unfortunately, you know, unfortunately I have to, you know, get not only get a second opinion but give myself a second opinion on a lot of shit to now just just kind of period and i feel like that is a good approach to take in any area of your life is is don't don't reflexively dismiss the word of experts because they're the experts that's ridiculous Mm. like yeah the most educated person in this field is the person i should dismiss their ideas out of hand that's literally you can hear on the face of it how farcical that is Mm -hmm. but you know like you should absolutely, uh, uh, you know, I think if it's not if you know, if you're not spending a shitload of money and you're not doing harm to yourself or others, what's is is there harm in trying different things and seeing if if that approach works for you or or looking at kind of different. Uh, yeah, I guess I guess just not just not leaving everything in the hands of quote unquote the experts because if Mm. there's anything a group of people who were not diagnosed as kids understand it's that the experts don't fucking know everything yeah they're not perfect either (laughs) like you know um yeah so geez there's still so much in this article but uh the last thing i wanted to come back to um uh you were talking about how, you know, ADD mag isn't perfect either. And I 100% agree with that. I Mm -hmm. think that they are uh, very prescriptive, literally and figuratively in Mm -hmm. certain ways about like, you know, uh, medication and blah, blah, blah. Um, And yeah, and you know, like, I thought that their uh, kind of section here about like, the, 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 you know, the kind of like, don't, uh, don't 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 go trying things for yourself and self-medicating with illegal substances and like Mm. i don't i don't disagree with that i think that to because you you can't go the other way and say hey uh uh you should fucking you know just 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 to see what things do for you uh just go and like try a whole bunch of different stuff you know Mm. do, do it in low doses don't 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 go crazy but like you know just just try it out See what that does for your brain chemistry. You can't fucking say that. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you cannot, especially not as like a, a, a publication in the medical sphere, say something like that. But I think that it felt a little bit reefer madness to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Some of the the stuff that they were saying about about pot and things. And so I'm going to read this little kind of section about uh, or no, I'm not. Uh, I wrote something else down. Um, but yeah, like uh, uh I think that what they didn't 
Well, well, so so what what they did acknowledge in the article about about marijuana specifically is that like it doesn't quote unquote help or cure your ADHD. Hmm. And I think that that's partially right. Uh, no, I, I, I what I, I don't mean that I do think it cures ADHD. Hmm. What I mean is that I think that there's they're answering a different question than the one that was asked, because like when people talk about about using pot to help with ADHD, I don't think it's so much about, um, you know, oh, this this lets me like really fucking buckle down and focus on this thing or whatever. For me, and I've talked about this on the show, it was always about quieting the part of my brain that's like, you're a fucking piece of shit. You can't do mm. this. What is even the point of sitting down to do this? Blah, blah, blah. It didn't make me better at anything. In fact, I would say it probably made me uh, uh, worse at, at several things. Uh, but, you know, where it made me more productive was in quieting the the, the self-doubt part of me. Mm. Uh, and, and I think that that is important to acknowledge is that there is a quote unquote benefit or at least I understand why people use that to exacerbate the symptoms of ADHD, but it's not the symptoms that they're thinking of. ADHD's talking about this stuff like the symptoms are, you know, memory loss or talking too much or blah, blah, blah. But I think it's mm-hmm. really more about RSD and the emotional side of it and what I've referred to as emotional armor of just like just being able to depersonalize just slightly just enough so that, you know, when something shitty happens, it just it just rolls off your back. Mm. See, that that has not been my experience with cannabis, mm. but um, because everybody is different. Right. And I remember when uh, Rena was on our show way back when um, she's somebody who spoke really well of like how that helped her, like caffeine and cannabis right. or what she uses to because medication didn't work for her. Hormones didn't work for her. So she had to find things that worked for her. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I do find that ADD make sometimes does that. I think the reefer madness um, point is like that's very much on point because that's kind of like a lot of the medical and psychiatric community are like, no, 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 THC will give people seizures or THC will do this. It's not harmless. And that is true to a certain point. But if something is working for someone and it's not causing them harm, then I think that's fine. But um I do, I do believe that when it comes to psilocybin and stuff like, and anything, right? Like you should, you should trust yourself, but like, yeah, THC for me, it makes me super paranoid when I, when I have too much of it. So I just don't, right. But I do like CBD sometimes to help me sleep. And so for me, like sleep is the biggest factor for me. If I'm not getting sleep, I cannot function. And I see the world through a fecal colored lens. Like everything just (laughs) sucks when I don't get sleep. Right. Um, so getting sleep for me is, is, is a big deal. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, it's good that you pointed out that thing about, about ADD mag too, because I do often feel, and when I went to that, that cadre conference, there was like psychiatrists, like up on platforms, just saying, nope, nope, no cannabis. Nope, 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 nope. Like they were just like anything, anything related to that stuff. Anybody, anytime somebody, there was somebody who brought up polyvagal therapy and they were like, nope, not proven. Nope, not proven. Like they were very much like hard asses about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, there's so much complexity to this. And I think it kind of comes back to when you're saying like, everybody's a hypocrite to some point, the world is, is full of paradox. The world is full of people that are good one moment and nasty the next. And I think I know I'm included in that. 
I'm, I'm capable of great acts of generosity and kindness. And then sometimes that can be an unholy snatch when I'm like, <laughs> like I can't, right? I know that about myself when I'm really angry. It's not a good scene. And I just use the word snatch. It has such like power. Snatch. Anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the, so why I, part of why I brought up the hypocrisy thing is because my my center thing here with like the, the biggest question for me about this stuff is like, am I gatekeeping? Mm. Uh, because I've talked endlessly on this fucking show about being anti gatekeeping in, in most regards. Mm. Uh, I talked about, you know, how I obviously resonate with people who are successful without college, uh, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, uh, uh, so I am, I am very anti gatekeeping. I I think that people should be learning, uh, for themselves about everything, like literally, media literacy uh not just like media but you know all material i I think it's like the most important skill you can have as a human is is being able to critically evaluate sources of information and Mm. and knowing what you should take seriously and what you shouldn't we wouldn't be having these stupid fucking discussions about ai chatbots becoming sentient if people had if people read fucking two paragraphs on Wikipedia and had the slightest idea what they were talking about. Mm. Uh, so, you know, like I, I think that always leaving stuff to the experts is bad. Uh, I, I think that, you know, like the experts are these unimpeachable priests and their word is, is bond is that's a crazy way to live. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, I don't think that, People should be fucking I think that it's irresponsible to walk around, quote unquote, diagnosing people willy nilly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that 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 seems wild, too. You know, and so and so I guess I guess that that's that's where I'm I'm sort of at is like some some gatekeeping actually is good. And if that makes yeah. me a hypocrite, then so be it. Yeah, I feel like we're on the same page with this. And I think even when we started the conversation, you were kind of like, let's preface this by saying like, Robbie's a bit of a Gabor fan. And the thing is, and Gabor Mate, I should say, um, uh, I have read his work. And I think there is a lot of substance in it. And I think he, he can be a truly compassionate, well-meaning person. But I also think he's somebody who's trying to sell a book. And he'll, he's sure. been coached to do what it takes to do that. Um, he switched publishers. He never used to be with Random House. His th- previous three books, I think were with Penguin. I can't remember. And I'll have to mm. fact check that. But um, Random House wants to sell books, man. They're a big publishing company. That's their goal. So they're kind of ruthless that way, you know. So at the end of the day, yeah, he shouldn't be running around diagnosing people like that. I thought that was a little bit reckless. But um, I, I, I really, I... I do genuinely hope that Harry's okay. I mean, he did have a really shitty go of things. He comes from a fucked up family. And like, he's, you know, been airing all this stuff publicly because that's, he feels like that's what he wants to do. I think he genuinely wants mental health to be a bigger part of the conversation. And I think in, you know, stuffy old England, that's a good thing where stoicism is just rampant. I'm fine. I'm fine. Everybody's fine. You know, like. Stiff up a lip. Stiff up a lip. Um, so I think those things are good, right? Um, I just think that when you have that kind of 
that level of privilege, you need to also understand that like not everybody has access to ayahuasca retreats and like <laughs> running away to Africa or, you know, claiming Africa, all that stuff, whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's all pretty weird to me. But um, yeah, I think we did kind of come around to sort of like seeing it through a similar lens. It's like that, that yeah, it was, it was deeply problematic. It felt reckless. Uh, it wasn't as compassionate as what he has been known to me for. Like, one of the things I've always valued about him is his deep, deep compassion, right? There's something, there's a layer of hyper-capitalistic uh, grasping that that I annoy you with ADHD thing had in it. That didn't even feel genuine when he said it. Like, that didn't really feel like there was something off there. He was he was grandstanding. Hmm, hmm. That's the only That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, the last thing I feel like, uh, uh, so Robbie sent along uh, earlier this morning a an op-ed that uh, Gabor Mate wrote. Uh, I don't know that it's a rebuttal per se, but mm. it certainly provides additional context. Uh, did you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, and I will. I've only read it once, so I haven't absorbed the whole thing. He's basically saying everybody needs therapy and we should all have access to therapy. And I agree with that. In, Absolutely. Um, in Canada, um, you know, we do have like what's called universal health care, but it's not universal because it doesn't cover mental health care and it doesn't cover dental care. We should, or meds. I spent uh, almost $400 on all my meds yesterday. So Yeah, I just spent like $250. Um, and I'm not even taking ADHD meds anymore. This is just for other shit. Um, so it's expensive. And I don't have a therapist right now because I can't afford it. Um, and, you know, the show is, I guess, part of me trying to kind of achieve that. But He's right when he says that it's interesting that he does kind of say like it should be this like, you know, place where you can air yourself and fully be. Um, and I think that is maybe what he was trying to create with a conversation with Harry. But you can't have real intimacy with an audience. You can have measured intimacy and people are going to reveal what they want to reveal based on what like their objectives are. Right. So, um, yeah, I do. I, I think that everybody should have a counselor. I think that everybody should have access to it if they want it. Um and I think people would probably be um, less aggressive and hostile towards each other. And let's not forget, we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of the lockdown from the pandemic. I've been thinking about that a lot this morning. It's just like, we're, we're into it. Uh, it was March 12th, at least in Calgary, that it got locked down. Um, I went home from the office, I think it was March 19th or March 20th. Um, and then I spent the next three months working so much that I didn't really understand what the fuck was going on. Um, so, yeah, um, there's grief in that, right? And we have all, like, the people that have survived this this pandemic, we've been through so fucking much in the last three years. Um, and people need some help. They need some support. I wish we could have it for everybody. So I agree with him on that point. I do. I think that that's sincere, that he thinks that people should have therapy. Um, but... Yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's an unambiguous good that that we all uh even those of us that already do therapy. I think I think everybody almost everybody would benefit from you know if it was free and you everyone had the time from doubling the amount of sessions that they do. If someone goes once a week, would, would they would, would you turn down the chance to go twice a week? I wouldn't. I find therapy very useful. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like uh uh the one thing that I pulled from that article that I thought was um, that I did want to kind of push back on or or analyze a little bit. Uh, Mm. So I'm going to read this one paragraph here. Um, And where do dysfunctional, emotional, and behavioral patterns stem from? From trauma. 
To say so is not to present oneself as a victim, blaming others for one's difficulties. I see neither myself nor others that way. On the contrary, to acknowledge one's trauma is to find empowerment. As the renowned psychiatrist and trauma expert Bessel mm. van der Kolk told Bessel van der Kolk told me, so long as one doesn't examine oneself, one is completely subject to whatever one is wired to do. But once you become aware that you have choices, you can exercise those choices. So I feel like even within that paragraph, he contradicts himself. Yeah. Uh, because so so if if dysfunctional emotional behavioral patterns stem from trauma, as he posits, if there is not if this is not a genetic or uh, uh, heritage uh, trait, mm. ADHD, neurodivergence. So that, that is, that is what he's saying in the first one. This shit comes from trauma. Mm -hmm. Dysfunction comes from trauma. So, and then literally what Bessel van der Kolk, uh, one is completely subject to whatever is quote wired to do. What does wired to do imply? Mm. Does that imply involuntary yeah. things? Does that imply things that are perhaps, oh, I don't know, herited, uh, maybe genetically, uh, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so again, there's, there's, it, it pisses me off uh, because that that's almost the only thing I disagree about in the piece. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think that yes, it is it is prima facie good for people to get out and talk more or, or get therapy or whatever. But like he just sort of he just sort of says like. Uh, uh, well, as we all know, uh, as, as has been established and proven, uh, because it's totally an objective thing that can be scientifically measured, uh, tr uh, dysfunction comes from trauma. That's, that's, uh, yeah. E equals MC squared, D equals T, dysfunction comes from trauma, period, end of story, and that's like... I know. Fucking come on, man. And that, <laughs> that's where we get into that thing where he's the expert, right? And it's like... Yes. Uh, yeah, and... I mean, this is a whole other episode and another conversation, but Bessel van der Kolk has been revealed as being kind of problematic himself, right? So it's these, like... There's so many people you got to separate the art from the artist, so to speak. All, so many of these self-help gurus are pieces of shit. Yeah, but also, like, uh, I think there's an important distinction because I, I read uh, The Body Keeps the Score a few years ago, I think. Um, and it was pointed out that it's not a self-help book. It's a textbook. Yes, sorry, I, I lumped I him in with self-help, and I guess what I meant was more like, uh, I, I guess, I guess like healing or health space kind of stuff. Yeah, um, but like in that, in that, in that trauma piece, right, like, that's where it gets like a little bit too libertarian for me. It's like, it's up to you to heal your trauma so that you're not creating more trauma in other people. And it's kind of like, yes, and um, with, with what? Like, how are we supposed to, you know what yes. I mean? Like, it's kind of like, I don't know, like this, we're getting, uh, we're getting into it again, but like. No, yeah. it's, 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 I don't, I don't, again, I don't, I don't think that the, that the content of the message is wrong. I think that the framing is poor. Mm. Again, like I said earlier, I think that we should all be doing everything in our power to quote unquote self-actualize mm. or become the best version of ourselves that we can be. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I think that we should all try to do that. I also understand that there are very, very real uh, material and uh, health related and whatever other kind of barriers to people achieving that. Mm -hmm. So some people need more help than others. Like we should all be trying our best, but that 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 cannot be the only option. Yeah. It, it has to be in tandem with getting support from each other. And on that note... Why don't you walk us out? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I just think this was such a juicy conversation, and I think it's something um, 
it's worth what's worth talking about. If anything, um, it's good that this conversation is happening. I still feel like the, the sort of impetus of it is a little bit, it's confusing for me. I'm, I feel confused right now. I feel clear on some mm. things, but perplexed on others. And maybe that's kind of, um, my partner and I talk about this sometimes, like you can't always have clarity on things, right? Um, but in this thing, I, I definitely know, like for me in my heart, there was something really off about it, something that didn't, that was not yeah. compassionate. So um, yeah, if you're listening to this and, and you kind of got confused by the whole thing too, and now you're just trying to find out if Gabor Mate can like diagnose you on a live stream, like I wouldn't do that. It used to be people, I Googled him once to see if he was doing ayahuasca retreats because I was curious, right? Because he used to, he used to do that, right? right. So um, anyway, yeah, uh, if you're listening and feeling that, then yeah. I actually think that the I, I love the ambiguity of this conversation. Mm. I love that we both came in kind of kind of knowing where our feet were and we came out of it kind of knowing where our feet were because <laughs> I, I no, but really, though, because I, I think that that is so much more interesting than coming in with your fucking hard ass conviction and being like every other podcaster. And mm. it's like, here's why this thing needs to happen, because I'm the smartest guy in the fucking bathtub with a cigar. Oh, my God. Yeah. Right. I'm the fucking big podcast guy. And it's just like, oh, my God, shut the fuck up. Yeah. But I, I think that, yeah, like, you know, as we talked about at the top of the episode, the, I, I think the most important thing you can do for yourself as a person, if, if you want to continue to grow and, and self-actualize as a person, mm. is not to fucking read books or, or listen to gurus or whatever, but is to examine your own beliefs and your mm. past versions of yourself and their beliefs and question them and say, why do I believe these things? Yeah. Like, why, why do I believe these things? And is that consistent with my morals on similar questions. And if it's not, that's not necessarily the worst thing in the world, because as we learned this episode, hypocrisy is just fine. Yeah. <laughs> and paradox is painful, but sometimes you got to be in it, right? Um, yeah, this is awesome. Thank you so much for everybody for listening. And um, we do know the Patreon thing is still going on. And every once in a while, we check it and we haven't been doing much over there. But we still love it if you could join us. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, we, uh, I'm gonna. If you got time, we should talk about that after we hang up here. Uh, but yeah, like I, I am going to be uh, doing. I, I would. I'm. I'm going to propose a significant uh, uh, change to that stuff in a in a way that will be much more engaging. I think for the Patreon. Okay. Patrons. Patrons. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Because yeah, we know we both both kind of dropped the ball and things have just been nuts. Yeah. House renovation. Oh yeah. Um, no excuses, but yeah, we're, we're Jordan and I are going to take this offline privately, <laughs> and then we'll keep you updated. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. We really appreciate you. If you enjoyed Holy Shit, I Have ADHD, subscribing to and reviewing it on your podcast platform of choice helps more neurodivergent folks find us, as does following and promoting the show on social media. A full list of platforms is on our Anchor page at anchor.fm forward slash holy shit I have ADHD. While you're there, why not leave us a voicemail? You can also share your thoughts on this episode or your own ADHD experiences with us at you guessed it, holy shit I have ADHD at gmail.com or via our social media pages in the episode notes. Bye for now and hyper focus on the positive. (laughs) 